You're listening to Prevailing Word Ministries on the Prevailing Word Podcast channel. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening. Today's message is the parable of the sower, and this is part two. Let's get right into today's message. Let's open up our Bibles to the uh, book of Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse one. Matthew chapter 13 and beginning at verse number one. Uh, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one, uh, excuse me, that's verse 18. I'm sorry. uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 18 is where I want to start. Verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. We'll get to the word unfruitful in a moment. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. So here in the parable of the sower, we see that the Lord Jesus uh, expounds on this uh, parable because it's very important for him to expound on it. Why? Because the disciples asked a question because they didn't understand it. Now, before we get to the word unfruitful, let's get to the word that says um, uh, understand it. Because I want to go back over that because there are some scriptures in the book of Proverbs that uh, gives us a, a clearer picture of what we are to understand. So, uh, therefore, hear the parable of the sower here in verse 19 again. Now, uh, verse 18, verse 19 says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. And so we are to understand the word of God. We are to understand the word of God. And uh, we need the Holy Spirit to help us to understand the, the word of God but depending upon the upon where the person stands as far as his, his heart is concerned they may not want to understand it so for those that do want to understand there are some scriptures that we can tap into that will help us to uh, understand here in the book of Proverbs uh, chapter 4 and verse 7 says wisdom is the principal thing so when you go into the word principle even though it's not a part of of the uh, Hebrew writing here, but nonetheless, it stands very important. The wisdom is the principal thing, meaning first, meaning uh, uh, ahead of everything else. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. It's great to get wisdom, but we need understanding of that wisdom in order for wisdom to have a good effect. So if you're gonna get wisdom, get understanding. In all you're getting, get understanding. And then you have Proverbs 16 and verse 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold? (laughs) Well, why is that? Why is getting wisdom better than gold? 
Well, wisdom lasts for eternity and gold lasts, but so far. And you, you can't take gold with you to heaven. It may be valuable. It may be worth something, but wisdom is worth more than that. Why is that? Because you will take wisdom with you into eternity. How much better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. So this is the thing that we ought to get. If a person puts wisdom and then gold in front of you, which one are you going to get? Yeah, admit it. You know that you're going to go after the gold. You know you're going to get the gold. But guess what? You're not going to take the gold with you when you die. If a person were to put wisdom and silver in front of you, guess what you're going to do? You're going to grab the wisdom. Uh, do, uh, that's what you should do. But most people will grab the silver. But you see, you can't take silver with you when you die. But wisdom and understanding you take with you when you die. Why? Because if you're in Christ, you bring it with you into heaven. That wisdom comes from God. That understanding comes from God. They're both eternal. Gold and silver is not eternal. Remember what Jesus said in the book of Matthew, chapter 24. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. We also have to remember that Jesus has been made wisdom unto us, sanctification and redemption, the Bible tells us. And, and so wisdom you're going to take with you, understanding you're going to take with you, but gold and silver, they're going to pass away. And then you have the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter three and verse 13 that says, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. So, so, uh, happy is that person that finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding, gain understanding here in Proverbs four and verse five, it says, get wisdom, get understanding, get them, get them, grab them, lay hold to them. Why? Because they're very important, not only in this life, but also in that which is to come. You're saying, well, what are we going to need wisdom and understanding for? Look, there's a lot of things that we're not going to have knowledge of until we get into heaven. And so God is there. He's going to give us all the wisdom and all the understanding that we can stand. So so in this life, get understanding, get wisdom and get understanding in this life. But but look forward to the wisdom and the understanding that we will get when we get into glory here in uh, Proverbs nine and verse four. Uh, uh, the writer says this, whoever is simple or gullible, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. So in, in chapter nine of the book of Proverbs, we see that wisdom is likened unto a woman, a wise woman, not a foolish woman, but a wise woman. And, and, and so uh, uh, as a man goes after a woman, that the thing that you have to go after is the nature. If the woman is wise, go after her. If she's foolish, don't even touch them. Brothers, wisdom works. Wisdom works all the time. You want a wise woman in, in your life, not a foolish woman. So, so in that sense, in that frame of mind, we ought to treat wisdom the same way. Wis whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she, wisdom, says to him, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. 
forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. So the ones that do not understand the word of God, the, the ones that do not understand the scriptures, they're, they're not going to go and chase after wisdom. They're not going to to chase after wisdom at all. And in fact, they, what they're going to do is just chase after foolishness. So forsake foolishness. So that's the understanding part, at least in part. But but go now down into uh, verse uh, 23, because we want to talk about the good ground. We talk so much about the other three grounds, the the wayside, the stone, uh, stony ground and the thorny ground. We'll talk. We'll tap a little bit into the, the uh, uh, thorny ground in a moment, because uh, there is a word here that is unfruitful. And, and we'll see the word unfruitful in the various scriptures that we will begin to uh, read. But look down here in verse 23. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and, and there's the word understands it. We've read those scriptures from the book of Proverbs and it's very important. He, he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. Why? Because he got understanding. He got wisdom, but he got understanding. He, he went out to get understanding. He who, he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed, now watch, bears fruit. Listen to this. Bears, listen to the scriptures. Uh, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. How, how do you know that you're producing fruit? When you begin to do the word of God, when you begin to do the word of God, that's when you begin to see a production. And that's very important because we want to be fruitful in our production. It's very important that we, we become fruitful in our production. But notice again that it is on the good ground that one produces seed. So one that produces fruit, not seed. So. Uh, when we when we're talking about the parable of the soul, we 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 talked and discussed uh, at length that there are uh, uh, two other uh, places in the Gospels uh, that show a, a variation of the scripture. So I'm only going to show uh, hopefully just one uh, uh, variation of verse 23 that we read in the book of Matthew chapter 13. Here in the book of Mark chapter four and verse 20, we see, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accepted the word accept is the word receive they receive the word of god and some bear fruit some 30 fold some 60 and some 100 so the lord wants us to be productive when we hear the word of god those of us that are on good ground the ones that are on the wayside the ones that are on on stony ground the ones that are on thorny ground they're not going to produce they're they're in the wrong spot in terms of their heart they got to get over into the good ground so that's uh, Mark chapter four and verse 20. Uh, now look at uh, Luke chapter eight and uh, look at verse 15. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. So this is what I was alluding to uh, last week, that when you read the synoptic gospels, the gospels that uh, uh, that line up together, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. John is a is is the fourth gospel, but it, it is not a synoptic gospel. It is the heart of, of Jesus being given 
as John received it, that uh, by the spirit of God, he begins to pen this. But here uh, we see that there is something that isn't in Matthew chapter four and verse 20. And also a little bit in Matthew chapter eight and uh, uh, verse 23. It says here with a noble and good heart. So what is a noble heart? So let's look at the word noble. The word noble noble is the Greek word uh, kalos uh, or kalos, however you want to pronounce this, K-A-L-O-S. And it means beautiful. In, in other words, good uh, uh, literally or morally. That is valuable or virtuous. So in, in that virtuous heart, in that valuable heart, in that beautiful heart, here we're expounding a little bit further on this, uh, a handsome, a commendable, admirable, admirable. And, and so that's the noble heart, that, that good heart that, that wants more of God, that wants the, the, the teachings of God, that thirsts for the teachings of God. The, the Bible tells us in the book of Matthew chapter six, uh, that that uh, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So that person wants righteousness, that wants the, wants the kingdom of God, and, and spends enormous amount of time in the scriptures, an enormous amount of time in the word of God, praying in the, uh, in, in the word, pray, spending time in prayer before God, praying in the spirit, as the Bible tells us, in the book of Jude and, and, and verse 20, praying uh, with the spirit and praying with the understanding also. Uh, you, you gain, you're gaining insight into the things of the of the of the kingdom. And, and with that noble and excellent and virtuous heart, you chase after the knowledge of the scriptures. You chase after the knowledge of God. And that's the individual that you will find producing. And so so here we see that it says noble and good heart in verse 15, noble and good heart. So let's look at the word good. Let's pull up the definition for that. And it is the Greek word agathos, which is spelled A-G-A-T-H-O-S. And it means benefit or good, uh, but it also uh, means of good constitution or nature, useful, salutary, Good, pleasant, agreeable, joyful, happy, excellent, distinguished, upright. Remember that scripture that it says in the book of uh, Psalm, Psalm 84, uh, uh, that that uh, that the Lord will not withhold anything to those who walk uprightly. So if you have that upright heart, that's what's going to allow uh, the word of God to come on the inside of you as you receive the word of God. And then you begin to produce the fruit of the word of God. You begin to produce that fruit that is pleasing to God. Some 30, some 60, some 104. But watch here what Luke says. Now, remember what we said about uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Remember, there are two eyewitnesses and there are two non-eyewitnesses. Matthew and John are eyewitnesses. Mark and Luke are not eyewitnesses. So uh, they all received the word of God in terms of the spirit of God delivering the word of God to them. But in terms of seeing it for themselves, Matthew and John were the only ones that saw in front of them how the word of God operates in terms of the life of Jesus. Mark and Luke didn't. Now, perhaps they may have heard of Jesus in, in their upbringing. Remember, uh, Mark uh, is, is rather young. 
And Luke, he may have been a little further on in terms of 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 being a, a mature individual and may ha- and they both may have heard of Jesus. But in terms of being the eyewitnesses, Math, uh, Matthew and John were the eyewitnesses. Nonetheless, all four received uh, uh, insight as far as the spirit of God in terms of what to pen. And that's why you have to find it amazing that even after the, the death, burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the spirit of God brings to remembrance what Jesus taught as far as Matthew and John is concerned. So I find that very fascinating. But notice what's been expounded or or uh, added to, if you will, uh, what Jesus said. And, and not necessarily what was added, but what Jesus said that the spirit of God reminded uh, Matthew and uh, and uh, and Mark and Luke to pen. But in particular, Luke, here he, he gives a further explanation. Now watch this. He says, uh, listen to the word of God here. It says, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit. Now listen to this, with patience. In other words, you gotta allow patience to have its perfect work as the Bible tells us in the book of James chapter one, let patience have its perfect work. In other words, allow patience time, give time to the seed that is in the ground. Give it some time. Just don't plant something in the ground. And then uh, one day, and then the next day, the very next day you go out there and you try to pull it up. And see, that doesn't work very well. You see, you have to you have to give it time. You, you have to give the scriptures time so that way uh, uh, it can it can grow and mature and be of, 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 of value even more. So so allow patience. I know that sometimes we go through some things and we want to quit Christ because we're going through something. No, no, no. Be patient about this. And we'll see some scripture along these lines in in a, in a moment. All right. So, so in, in fact, right now, go. Uh, we're in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10 and verse 26. One of the things that they have to understand about the book of Hebrews uh, while I'm on the way, by the way, is that the book of Hebrews was written to uh, Hellenistic Jews that were challenged with false doctrine. If you were to go back into the book of Acts, chapter 15, you will see that the men from Judea had brought a doctrine saying that unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And that's false doctrine because that's a that's a doctrine of works as opposed as opposed to grace. Remember what it says in the book of Ephesians, chapter two, verses eight and nine. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And and so it's very important that we understand that that grace is is very important. We're saved by grace, not by works. So the Hellenistic Jews were challenged to depart from Christ and to depart from grace and to accept the law, to accept Moses law as the only way or one of the ways that you add to grace to get saved. And and so there were a lot of Hellenistic Jews that left Christ because they believed what these liars were saying. Now, something that you have to understand about false false doctrine and false teachers and, and, and false prophets. And that is when you begin to add to the scriptures, their lies. Remember what it says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 30 and verse six. And, and it says and, and, it, and it tells us that do not add to his words, lest he God 
rebukes you and you be found a liar. So don't add to his word. You're not given permission to add to his word. Neither are you given permission to subtract from his word. His word is the same yesterday. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever that what it says in the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 13. But also in the book of Psalm 119 and verse 89, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. The word is settled. So you don't, you can't add to the scriptures and you can't take away from the scriptures. Uh, years ago, we, we came up across uh, E.W. Kenyon and, and he had had a book that was called uh, uh, Two Kinds of Revelation and, and, and Two Kinds of Knowledge. And, and, and basically it was saying head knowledge as opposed to scripture knowledge. Some of it was basically all right to us, to an extent, but others, other teachings, it was just, you know, we need to just put that aside that that just isn't scripture. And, and so when you get in, over into revelation knowledge, uh, uh, if it's not consistent with scripture, you're adding to the scriptures. You're trying to take something that perhaps is a figment of your imagination and in your mind and try to make it sound like it's scripture. Be very careful of those individuals that add to the scriptures and sound spiritual and sound emotional and, and sound uh, uh, as if they're teaching it correctly and they're teaching incorrect uh, doctrine, the teaching false doctrine. Be very careful of those individuals. In fact, you are allowed to challenge them. You are allowed to take them to school and to task and to and expose those false teachings and false doctrines and additions to scripture. And you are charged to hold fast to the word of faith. And, and so that that was what was happening. False doctrine was being introduced to the Hellenistic Jews and some of them left Christ as a result. So that's the whole gist of the book of of Hebrews, where I know that many people run to Hebrews chapter 11 and that's all they preach because that's all they know. But they never studied the entire book. They never, never realized that there's more to Hebrews 11. All they know is that Hebrews 11 is the is the book of Hebrews and it's not. It is just one chapter, but they misteach that scripture as well. And I find again, and I, I've said it on numerous occasions, that you cannot teach Hebrews 6 without teaching Hebrews uh, 11, 11, 6 and Hebrews 11, 5. You just can't do it. If you're teaching Hebrews 11, 6 without teaching Hebrews 11, 5, you're teaching a portion of the truth. You got to teach the whole counsel of God. And so when you, you when you watch individuals teach one isolation of scripture and, and, and never get into the full counsel of the of the word of God, as far as as what is it doing in that text, then perhaps that individual is taking the scriptures and taking great liberty to teach you something that perhaps is against the entire context of scripture. So be very careful of those individuals. So uh, verse 26 now in the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 10, for if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. What does that mean? That means the, the sinning willfully is the apostasy. When you break off from Christ after you have received the knowledge of the truth, what does the Bible says here? It says there is no longer there no longer there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversary. So once you were a friend of God, now you're an adversary. Why? Because you departed from the faith as a result of what individuals have taught you. Remember what it says in the book of first Timothy chapter four and verse one. And it says the spirit speaks expressly that some will depart from the faith 
giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and with hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So we have people today that are departing from the faith, but they're giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Don't do that. And that's what happened here with the Hellenistic Jews. They departed from the faith because they received a doctrine that is not of God that went crosswise of grace. So, but a fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. So those that departed from the faith and counted the blood of, of Christ and his sacrifice and his sacrifice worthless, there is no salvation for them once they depart in apostasy and turn their back on Christ. Anyone who has rejected Moses law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the grace of God. When you commit apostasy, you're insulting the grace of God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit went to great lengths to get us this salvation, and you want to trample underfoot, under you want to trample under the Son of God and count uh, unworthy the blood of the covenant, count it worthless. That's an insult to the Spirit of grace. Notice, Spirit of grace. In other words, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit did all the work. In fact, Jesus said in the book of, of John chapter 19, it is finished. It is the finished work of Christ. And then you're going to turn your back on him because, because you count it worthless. There is no salvation for you when you do that. When you knowingly turn your back on Christ, there is no salvation for you. You're done. The Lord is not going to take take you back into the kingdom. There, there's like Carlton Pearson or, or any of those individuals like him that turn their back and trample underfoot the son of God and count the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified. A common thing. The blood of Jesus Christ is precious. Precious is the blood that makes us white as snow. Precious is the blood that was shed for us on the cross. The blood is precious. So we must never treat the blood of Christ a common thing. Why? Because it has in, it is an insult to the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Now remember, you, you are now an adversary. And, and so God is going to pay you back for what you've done in terms of turning your back on this salvation and walking away and counting the uh, son of God and trampling underfoot the son of God and count the blood of, of Christ uh, unworthy, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing. So vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, in other words, remember the light of the gospel that came to you, that you finally saw the error of your ways, you saw your sin, and that you would be punished for the sins that, you commit, that you've committed. And then all of a sudden you, you realize that God uh, gave you grace 
to be saved for by grace are you saved. He gave you grace. He gave you another chance, not a second chance. He gave you another chance. And then you recognize that. And then what, what, the, what does the Bible say in the book of second Corinthians chapter seven and verse 10, it says godly sorrow works repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted. You saw the error of your ways. You became, you became sorry for the sins that you've committed. Godly sorrow came in and now it's working repentance in you. In other words, that you are now turning away from sin and then you place faith on Christ. That's the illumination. That moment, the illumination is the moment that you recognize that you've sinned against God and that you turn to him for for salvation. You turn from sin and then you turn to God for salvation. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured great, a great struggle and sufferings. In other words, as a result of you coming in, into Christ, all of a sudden people are mad. People are angry, especially family and friends. All of a sudden you come into Christ and things are not looking good. See, that's what it means to have patience. It, you're allowing the, the, the seed to, to grab a hold of your spirit, man, like, like a seed in the ground spreading forth its roots. Because anything that comes up out of the ground must first be established in the ground. And the way that it is established in the ground is by spreading its roots. So so the roots have to be spread first before it comes up out of the ground to produce fruit. So that way the Lord can take the fruit so that we can produce more fruit. And and so uh, uh, allow patience to have its perfect work that you may be entire wanting nothing. So you endured a great struggle with sufferings. You you endured a great struggle with sufferings. In other words, everybody is not going to be happy about your salvation. I remember the first time that I talked about my salvation. I figured that everybody would be happy about it. And now they weren't happy about it. They decided, no, we don't want what you got because that means that we have to give up our sin. We have to give up sin. No, 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 no. I mean, it's just like a bunch of cockroaches. When the light comes on, the light comes on. All of a sudden the roaches want to scatter. And so when you're in Christ, not everybody is going to be happy that you found eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, as a result of you repenting from sin and placing faith on Christ. So you're going to endure some struggle. You don't have you're going to have a great struggle, but that's with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations. In other words, you were made a laughing stock. Ha ha ha. That person says he's a Christian and they begin to mock you and make fun of you. You're going to see some word along these lines in a little while. But you begin to see that the people are not enjoying uh, uh, what, what you're sharing because now light has come. Partly while you were made a spectacle, both of reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated for you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. In other words, they would take they would focus so mad that they they decided we want to take stuff from you and see. Doesn't that sound like covid? 
if you don't take this shot, we're going to take this job from you. If you don't take that shot, we're going to we're going to take your paycheck from you. And then you were you are faced with either one or the other. And, and, and so you have to understand that people will get so mad that they will they will begin to take things from you that perhaps are dear to you. And, and they have no right doing that, but they do it anyway. But guess what? Look at what these believers did. They accepted it. They received it. Why? The plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Go ahead and take the house, take the car, take the money, take all that. Guess what? What's in heaven? You can't take what's in heaven. You can't have what's in heaven doesn't belong to you. But as long as I'm in Christ, it belongs to me. So take it. It's only going to last but so long. I mean, have you ever noticed the heart of a thief? They go into stores, they they steal everything, they rob and plunder it and they bring it home and they put it in their house and they're happy that they got this. But you see, over time, those things decay. Over time, those things lose its value. Uh, what if they steal money? Money's going to be around all, all day. Well, perhaps. But you see, it's already spent. You're going to spend it on your drugs. You're going to spend it on women. You're going to spend it on men. You're going to spend it on, on worthless things. And guess what? You got to go back out and get money all over again because it's not going to last. It's spent already. So they, they, they accepted the plundering of their goods, knowing why that something in heaven is better for them. Again, you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Don't throw it away. Don't throw away your salvation because people are getting on your case. Don't throw it away because you have need of endurance. In other words, patience. For you have need of endurance, verse 36 says, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. What is the promise? Eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the promise. So endure to the end. Remember what Jesus said in the book of Matthew, chapter 24. He that endures to the end shall be saved. And that's very important. It's very important that we understand this because uh, as time begins to progress and as time begins to, to go further, we're going to see government operate in such a way that it's going to take things from us. It's going to challenge our faith. We're going to get persecuted for our faith. But one of the things that we have to understand is that we have to endure to the end. And, and when we endure to the end, then, then what we're doing is that we're pleasing God. And, and, and all those things that they've taken from you to try to get you to, to uh, put your faith in Christ down, it's meaningless to you. May be meaningful to them, but it's meaningless to you because you have a greater possession, which is Christ Jesus, the Lord. So that's the promise, the promise of eternal life. So so now here in the book of Galatians, uh, 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 chapter five, we're going to get now into the producing of the fruit because this is connected to the fruit of the spirit. So verse 22 in Galatians chapter five says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such. There is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So the fruit of the spirit, there's nine of them. 
The fruit of the spirit is, and this is the combination, just like uh, um, any fruit on a tree has ingredients. Inside the ingredients is the, the makeup or composition of the fruit. So there are ingredients that are in the fruit of the spirit. And that's how you, you begin to understand what the fruit of the spirit is. The fruit is singular, but the ingredients are many. In this case, we have nine ingredients of the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the nine ingredients of this of this fruit of the Spirit. So it's very important that you learn to develop in the love of God for everybody, uh, that you learn to develop the love of God for even the, the, the wicked. Uh, Jesus said, love your enemies, bless those that curse you, pray for those that despitefully use you and persecute you. We, we're, we're not to have any animosity towards those that do ill will against us just because we are Christian. We don't seek vengeance. God is the only one that gives vengeance. He's the only one that repays fully. So we walk in love towards them. In fact, uh, if you go over to uh, Voice of the Martyrs, it, you, a wonderful testimony, powerful testimony of individuals that stand for the gospel of Christ, even in troublesome times. These individuals, some of them, they have amazing stories. These stories are so amazing. Uh, there was one particular individual that was incarcerated for the testimony of Christ. But but he said, my job, my only job is to is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and to love my enemies. And, and, and so he, he began to to love them. And they were just wondering why? Why are you, you you're you're not hatred? You have any any animosity towards me? You don't have any anger towards me? No, they, they look at the love of God and, be, and 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 that alone is a testimony of the fact that you can win them over by the testimony of Christ in terms of of being loving towards them. And, and, and so uh, uh, the, the, the wonderful testimonies that are out there oversee of individuals that are incarcerated by the testimony of God, it speaks very much in, in the highest tradition of the Christian, the highest tradition of the Christian and, and of Christ and brings great glory to Christ. It brings great glory to God when you do this. So have the love of God when, when, you, when you're persecuted for the testimony of Christ. Have the joy of God. Remember what Paul said. He said, rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. And, and so when we rejoice in the Lord and, and even though no one enjoys persecution, no one enjoys being locked up for the testimony of Christ. But when the joy of the Lord comes, the next thing you know, that peace comes, the peace of God that brings all under, uh, that 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 brings understanding. The peace of God shall shall cause you to understand what you're going through. The peace of God that passes all understanding. You may not understand what you're going through, but guess what? The peace of God surpasses all understanding. And, and so that's why Paul and Silas was able to sit there in their prison and praise God, even though they were persecuted for the testimony of Christ. And, and, and uh, as a sign and as a, as a witness, the, the earthquake shook the prison, opened the doors and everyone's chains dropped. But they stayed inside because they didn't want to get in trouble. They stayed inside because they didn't want to make a scene. And see, that's the that's the beautiful thing about the gospel, the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ. God can free you where you are, but you just simply don't want to move. Why? Because there's a greater task that is about to occur. And, and, and Paul and Silas recognized that. And then the jailer came in and he said, what must I do to be saved? And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ 
and you and your household will be saved. And that's exactly what happened. That was the whole purpose behind the 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 jail being shaken and the prison doors open and everyone's bands were loose. Now, I don't know about the other other guards or, or the other prisoners that were in there. I don't know about what their situation was in terms of eternal life, but definitely they saw the hand of God at work. So, but but nonetheless, Paul and Silas was joyful about what they were uh, what they were experiencing. They counted it all joy because they knew that they were being persecuted for the testimony of Christ. So that so when the moment comes, and it will come for each and every one of us, perhaps in our lifetime, uh, that that we will face a time in which we would be persecuted. So have these three things: love, joy, and peace working on the inside of you. Long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You see that fruit of the spirit uh, 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 showed up with Paul and Silas. And guess what? It brought great credit to the name of Christ and it brought great glory to, to God Almighty. So so have the fruit of the spirit working on the inside of you in those moments. In other words, don't don't sit there and say, well, why is it that they're always persecuting me? Well, you happen to be there and you happen to be a Christian. They found out you, that you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. So why not you? So bring great credit and bring great glory to God by learning how to walk in love, peace, love, joy, peace, long suffering and so forth. So so that's what it means to be fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, which we'll see in a moment. In fact, I should type that in because I want I wanted to go there. Uh, we talked about this uh, a little while a little while ago um, about. Uh, uh, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. But but go. But I want to go down into uh, Ephesians uh, chapter five and verse eight because again I want to bring to your remembrance the word unfruitful because here in the book of Ephesians chapter five and verse eight for you were were you were once darkness but now you are light in the Lord walk as children of light. Remember what John said that you know, that we are that we are to walk in the light as He is in the light, and we have fellowship with one another, one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. In the book of First John, chapter one. So walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So again, it, the, these are things that are connected to the fruit of the Spirit that we saw in the book of Galatians, chapter five. For the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness and truth. Now watch this. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And, and I saw I, I was interesting to see what the, the scripture reference is in terms of finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And, taught, and it went straight. This was a great uh, uh, reference here, here in the book of Romans, chapter 12 and verse one. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, which is your reasonable service. Uh, reasonable or rational, reasonable or rational. Uh, uh, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that uh, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So so uh, going back to uh, Ephesians chapter five 
uh, uh, finding out what is uh, in verse uh, 10, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Don't have any fellowship with them. We see that with William Murphy as in terms of an example, bringing the things that are unfruitful into what is supposed to be the house of God. The Bible is very clear in the book of us, uh, second Corinthians chapter six, uh, that we ought to separate ourselves from the things of the world. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Do not do it. Do not tie yourself with the world. If you are a Christian, if you are a child of God, you are ecclesia, you are the church. You have been called out from among them. So the Lord says, come out from among them in the book of second Corinthians chapter six, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and I will receive you to myself and I will be your God and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. I will live in them. I will walk in them. God needs for you to be separated. God commands you to be separate from the things of the world. And how do you show that fruitfulness? You show it by being separate from the world. So if you're if you're tied to the world, you are an enemy of God. You're an adversary. And and and, and it doesn't bode well in terms of your relationship with God. You can't have the world and Christ at the same time. You got to make up your mind. You got to either serve God or serve the world. You can't serve both. You can't serve Satan and you can't serve God at the same time. You're going to have to learn to live that separate life. It's not going to be pleasing to your friends and family. It's not going to be pleasing to them. But one thing that we do have to remember is that God is holy. God is righteous. And we are to be separate from the things of the world. So finding out what verse 10 again, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, expose them. Show the light on it. Show that it is of darkness. Do not associate yourself with them because you have no business with the world anymore because you're in Christ now. You are in Christ now. And, and so you have no business with the world because, see, the world wants you to be separated from Christ. Who shall separate me from the love of God? That's what Paul says. Don't let the world come in with their trinkets because their trinkets are going to pass away. Remember what, what John says in the book of First John chapter 2. Verse 15, 16 to 17 says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. And this world is passing away and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God abides forever. So have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful, it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. It's shameful to speak of, of those things, but Paul never said, don't speak of those things. He only said that it's shameful to speak of those things. It brings shame, just like shame was brought on Adam and Eve when they sinned in the garden. And what did they do? They covered up. It was a cover up. They covered up themselves with leaves. They sewed leaves together. And then when God was walking in the cool of the, of, in the garden, in the cool of the day, they ran and hid themselves. You see, after the cover up, you hide. And that's 
that's what Adam and Eve was doing. After a cover-up, they were hiding. Folks, we are to expose these things. We are to reveal these things and expose these evil deeds so that way we won't associate ourselves with them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, and if I can, therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will give you life. Come back and Christ will give you light. So, so now here in the book of Colossians chapter one, uh, uh, let's see, uh, uh, in uh, the prayer that, that Paul prayed was, was a very, very powerful prayer in terms about the unfruitful works of, of having been delivered from the power of darkness. So uh, in, in verse nine, it says here in uh, Colossians chapter one, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians chapter two and verse 10. Uh, that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we are to be fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience. There's that word patience again. Allow patience to have its perfect work that you may be entire wanting nothing. For all patience and long suffering. Well, what is long suffering? Suffering long, suffering a long time, going through things a long time and and do this with joy. Remember the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is what? Love, joy, peace. Uh, uh, And so Paul says, for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to be partakers or partners of the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Not everyone will be happy uh, with you because you received the word of God and now you're producing fruit. In other words, everyone sees your progress in Christ that your salvation is real and now it's offensive to them. So how offensive is the salvation of Christ? Look in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 2 and verse 14 starting there. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Triumph over what? The persecutions and sufferings that Christians are experiencing throughout the world. You see, there's a different side of Christianity that a whole lot of people are not uh, privy to. And, and I wasn't privy to until I saw it uh, and saw it firsthand. And, and, and again, I urge you to check out Voice of the Martyrs. You begin to see a different perspective of Christianity that perhaps you're not even aware of. So what kind of triumph is Paul speaking of? He is talking about the triumph over the sufferings and the persecutions that are experienced as a result of the testimony of Christ. And now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses or releases the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Whether you're preaching the word of God, whether you're sharing the word of God with other uh, individuals or whether you're sharing the word of God with unbelievers, you're releasing a fragrance. 
again, verse 15, for we are to God the fragrance of Christ. First of all, among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So there are two types of people that are standing there receiving this fragrance or at the very least smelling this fragrance among the saved. It's a sweet smelling fragrance. It's a sweet smelling uh, a smell before God and also before us because we're smelling it, too, because we love the smell of unbelievers. I mean, the smell of believers, rather, but the smell of unbelievers. Nope. We don't like it. And and that's why we share the word of God. So that way they can come out of that smell and come into Christ and smell good. Amen. For, for we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing to the one. We are the aroma of death. In other words, to the ones that are that are perishing, we're the aroma of death. Well, why is that? What 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 does that mean? Well, remember what it says in the book of uh, John, chapter three, where, where it says that we ought to be born again, that we are born of the spirit. But also remember what it says in the book of Titus, chapter three, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. When we when we uh, carry our lives, we are a fragrance to believers that are saved, but we are also a fragrance to unbelievers. And but to unbelievers, it's ministering death. We we want them to to die, if you will. <laughs> yes, we want them to die. Why, why? Why do you say that? Well, the book of Second Corinthians, chapter five and verse 17 says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Now, when we say an individual has passed away, what did what happened there? They died. <laughs> We're saying in a polite way that that person died. And so that's what happened to us when we came into Christ. We died. So when when we're walking around unbelievers, we're the fragrance of death to them because we want them to die and then come alive in Christ. To the one in verse 16, to the one we are the aroma of death leading to death and to the other, uh, the aroma of life leading to life. And so that's what we are. We, we smell good among believers. We smell bad or, or the smell of death to unbelievers. Why? Because we want them to die and to come into Christ. And so not everybody is going to be uh, receiving of, of what you what you represent here in first Corinthians chapter one and verse 18, starting there for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. If you ever want to walk in the power of God, preach the gospel, preach the gospel. That's the power of God and the salvation. In fact, the book of Romans chapter one and verse 16 says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first, also to the Greek. The gospel is the power of God. Remember what Paul said uh, in uh, first Corinthians chapter two and verse four. And he said this, he says that my speech and my preaching were not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And that's why the gospel is the power of God. So uh, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God uh, made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the wisdom of foolishness of the message preached to those who uh, uh, preached to save those who believe. 
For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Preach Christ crucified and of course raised from the dead. To the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Why? Because the foolishness of God is wiser than man and the weakness of God is stronger than man. So if you want to ever know where the weakness of God, when God was ever weak, Christ on the cross, on the cross. That's the weakness of God. He gave his life. He didn't have to, but he did. And thank God that he did. He gave up his life for us. He gave us his life as a ransom, the Bible tells us. And and so that's very important that we understand that his life was given as a ransom. And that's when he became weak. And that's the very power of God. And what did it do? It gave us now power to live a godly life through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The spirit of Christ living on the inside of us that gives us help when we need to walk in his word in obedience. So uh, uh, that's that's how we become fruitful because now we're, f- we're foolish before the world. We're no longer wise according to the world, but now we're foolish according to the world. We're foolish for God and this fruitfulness brings an effect. It brings death to those who are in sin and it brings life to those that are in Christ. And that's what it means to be fruitful. That's part of what it means to be fruitful. Here in the book of 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things that pertain to life and godliness is the life of Jesus Christ on the inside of us as a result of being born again by the Spirit of God. That's the divine power that's at work on the inside of us. So when we become fruitful, we're going to see what what kind of fruit is yielded as a result through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So through the knowledge of him, how we get knowledge of Christ is through the word of God. So when we read the word of God and we study the word of God, we're gaining knowledge of the life of Christ. Remember, we are to walk as he walked in the way that we learn to walk as he walked. We read the scriptures and then we incorporate what he has done into our lives to live as he lived. Verse four says, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, promises in the plural, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. In other words, through the promises of God, we become partakers of the divine nature. Why? Because the world needs to see Christ in us, the hope of glory. The world, the world needs to see this fruitfulness that, that we have in Christ. So we are partakers of the divine nature. And, and what happens here? Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We've escaped all that because we came into Christ. So now watch what Peter says here. He says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Add to what what is that faith that he's talking about? Your faith in Christ as a result of the new birth that uh, that is in you or being born again that is in you. You add to your faith to that uh, 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 virtue. In other words, excellence, moral excellence. To virtue, knowledge. In other words, 
you, you get knowledge, get more knowledge. And, and all you're getting, get get understanding. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs 4 and verse 7. But we are also to get knowledge. All right. So so get more knowledge to knowledge, self-control. Does, didn't we see self-control again? Self-control we see in the book of uh, uh, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, which is the ninth of the fruit of the spirit, the ninth ingredient of the fruit of the spirit, self-control. So to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance. In other words, waiting power. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah chapter 40, perseverance, waiting power. And so that ties in with what we saw in the book of Luke, chapter eight and verse 15, that we produce some 30, some 60, some 100 fold with patience. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be entire, wanting nothing. The Bible tells us in the book of James, chapter one to godliness. So to perseverance, godliness to godliness, brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful. If these things, what, are in you and abound, if these things are yours and abound, you will neither, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, Guess what? Because you're fruitful, people see that you know Christ. See, that's the knowledge of Christ. The knowledge of Christ is to know Christ. And so now verse nine stands out. And this is where we will close. For he who lacks uh, these things. In other words, if you lack what? If you lack faith, if you lack virtue, if you lack knowledge, if you lack self-control, if you lack perseverance, if you lack godliness, if you lack brotherly kindness, if you lack love, if these things are not in you, you will be unfruitful. You will not abound or you will be barren. You will be unfruitful. But here Paul says in verse, uh, excuse me, not Paul, Peter says here in verse eight, for if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted. Look at the word short-sighted because it is myopazo, which is where we get myopa from, and it is to shut the eyes. If these things are lacking in you, 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 then it reveals that you have shut your eyes. You are short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, what these things that we pointed out to you, if you do these things, because that's how you prove the knowledge of Christ, it is by doing them. Remember what it says in the book of James chapter one, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Verse 22 says, uh, uh, so we, we, we need to be doers of the word. Remember what Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter seven, that we, that, uh, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord shall enter the kingdom but he that does the will of my father, which is in heaven for so an interest will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. And it, it, it supplied to you. In other words, the gates will swing wide and says, come on in because you have these things in you and 
They're abounding. These things are yours and you're abounding. And it shows that you have the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want you to be fruitful. God, first of all, never mind me. When God wants you to be fruitful, God wants you to produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. And, and see, that's, that's the level of the production that God expects out, out of each and every one of us. But if you're on that good ground, it is expected of you to produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. Now, we don't know what we're producing. Some of you might be bragging, and I pray that you don't, that I'm producing 100 fold. You better watch yourself. That's pride. You might be producing 30. You might not, you might not even be producing anything. You might be one of those individuals that are on the wayside, stony, and thorny grounds. So you better watch yourself. But God wants us to be productive in our relationship with the Lord, productive in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is very, very important that we that we incorporate these things and be fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. You've been listening to Prevalent Ministries on the Prevalent Podcast channel. We're on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, YouTube Music, Spotify and Spreaker. Please visit our website at prevailingwithministries.net. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening.